This podcast is part of the Acast Creator Network. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hello and welcome to The Stand with Eamon Dunphy. Now... On Monday, Joe Biden turned 81. The issue of his age is critical, really, for the coming presidential election. And if it's a race between Donald Trump and Joe Biden, as appears likely, with some perhaps third-party candidates in there, it is critical for the future of what we call the free world. In fact, a speech made by Trump and facts released about plans he would have for climate change, and I'm not using hyperbole here, it is really terrifying. And in today's Financial Times, he outlines plans to scrap all of the legislation that Joe Biden put in place, or most of it. It's a terrifying prospect for many other reasons as well. And we're joined from Washington now by Niall Stanage. Niall is Associate Editor of The Hill Newspaper, and White House columnist for the Hill. Niall, we're getting down to the nitty-gritty, although it's 11 months roughly from now, given the geopolitical dangers in the world, at this very moment, many people believe that a Donald Trump presidency might just be too much. And yet, the polls show in a head-to-head Biden's polls are shocking, I should say, and age is one of the key issues on which it is poor. And I had to head, they're more or less level, is that correct? Yes, Trump probably has a slight advantage at this stage, but they're effectively level, yes. And all the things that Trump is facing, 91 criminal charges, five very serious court cases, one of which is going on as we speak in New York, It's not a criminal matter, it's a question of fraud. Despite everything, he still appears to have a grip on the Republican Party. And maybe we should start by asking this. There is a contest going on to seek the Republican nomination to run for president. He's not participating in it because he believes he's a certainty. The people who are participating in it Um, You know, um, Chris Christie, for example, former two-time governor of New Jersey, a one-time advisor to Donald Trump before his 2016 victory. Nikki Haley, 
who's a former governor of South Carolina. She was Trump's ambassador to the United Nations, a very serious and incredible politician, just to name two. He doesn't feel he needs to go near it. And yet, Nikki Haley's prominence in the polls now suggests that if anyone is going to emerge from that field to challenge Trump, it might be her. Yes, Nikki Haley is on the upswing in opinion polls and is now breathing down the neck of Ron DeSantis, the governor of Florida, who had been perceived at the outset of the campaign to be the biggest threat to Trump. To make a long story short, DeSantis's campaign has been underwhelming, to say the very least. He has gone down in the polls. Nikki Haley is picking up steam. And one of the main reasons she is doing so is because of her strong performance in the three debates so far. As you say, Donald Trump has avoided any of those debates. He doesn't really want to give his rivals uh, the potential chance to land a punch on him. And he also doesn't want it to make it seem as if they are in any way on equal footing with himself. So nationally, he's approximately 40 points clear, well clear. The first contests are the Iowa caucuses, which are now less than two months away. Trump has uh, less than 40 points, but still a very substantial lead in Iowa, um, sort of somewhere in the order of 25 points in most polls, around that ballpark anyway. Uh, And then New Hampshire primary and so on and so forth. If Trump isn't stopped in one of the early contests, it seems almost inconceivable that he uh, will be, you know, before he takes the Republican nomination. And so that's the challenge for his rivals. And just to give our listeners an idea of what he's running on. He made a couple of speeches this week, in one of which he talked about vermin, Mm. uh, which is a very loaded word in political dialogue, and he used that as a description of his enemies in the Justice Department everywhere, really the enemies. He's promised that they would get payback. He also has a radical proposal to wind back what most people agree has been one of Joe Biden's landmark achievements, that is the climate laws that Biden has put in place. Trump has said and very explicitly this week that he's planning to gut, and that's the word used, Biden's landmark climate law, increase investment in fossil fuels and roll back regulations aimed at accelerating the transition to electric vehicles if he is elected next year. And what he's proposing on fossil fuels in that is in the context of the very latest news we've had this week about climate change is frankly terrifying. Yeah, I mean, certainly the Republican Party in general is, I would say, largely opposed to efforts to mitigate climate change and has been for some time. These Trump proposals that were reported by the Financial Times are probably especially meaningful or substantive because they quote, for example, a Trump advisor, a woman by the name of Carla Sands, who says that on the first day of a second Trump, administration, and this is a quote, the president has committed to rolling back every single one of Joe Biden's job-killing, industry-killing regulations. Um, And that's including, for example, scrapping fuel economy standards for cars. 
uh, climate change is an issue that is of particular importance to younger voters. Yes. Um, you know, partly because of general concern for their future, also because it is just, I think, a more high-profile issue among um, younger voters. Now, Biden has significant problems with younger voters for other reasons that we can get into, even though as a group they typically favor Democrats. Whether um, those voters, say, under the age of 30 or under the age of 35, would be so startled on the climate change issue that they would come out for Biden, uh, that remains to be seen. But certainly these are very, very uh, sweeping proposals that we're seeing here in relation to Trump and the idea that if he were elected to a second term, all of Biden's measures aimed at uh, mitigating or ameliorating climate change would be scrapped. Now, one of the big issues, the biggest in many ways, is Biden's support for Israel and his relationship with Netanyahu, which he almost proudly said a couple of weeks ago, goes back 40 years. He called Netanyahu Bibi, which is his pet name, that is damaging him clearly with young voters and and young Democrats in particular. Can you give us any idea of the extent to which that could be, you know, fatal for him in such a close race? could be very serious because it is an issue on which the Democratic Party is split down the middle. Most of the issues that are germane to American politics and the issues that we discuss uh, week by week, generally speaking, break around fairly partisan lines. Republicans are on one side of the line, Democrats are the other. Israel and the Palestinians is not like that because although Republicans are overwhelmingly pro-Israel, the Democratic Party is about 50-50. Uh, The Democrats have traditionally got the majority of uh, Jewish American votes in elections here, but younger Democrats, more left-wing Democrats and black Democrats have all traditionally been more sympathetic to the Palestinians, and that trend is continuing. There was an NBC poll here uh, last weekend, Eamon. It showed that 70% of voters under the age of 35 disapproved of Biden's handling of the current conflict. It also showed among Democrats themselves that the share of Democrats who believed that Israel had gone too far in its reprisals for the October 7th attack was almost double the number of Democrats who believed that Israel was justified in doing what it's doing. That obviously is a problem, uh, particularly for Biden, who has been so... um, Staunch is almost too mild a word, absolutely vigorous in his support of Israel, has not laid down anything that even resembles a red line, has occasionally said stuff about how uh, it would be good to minimize civilian casualties, but has really placed no conditions on his support for Israel and has asked the Congress for $14 billion of additional military aid for Israel. So that schism within the Democratic Party is very significant. And if it sustains for 11 months, uh, is almost certainly, I would say, fatal to his chances of re-election. Yes. And as you say, it's unqualified support. And it also appears that in relation to the truce that we're about to witness and the exchange of some hostages now, that Netanyahu's at the point with his hardline cabinet, which contains some people way to the right of Netanyahu and more hardline. 
Israel is in a position now where they can ignore Joe Biden and they can ignore his Secretary of State who said earlier this week that too many Palestinians are dying. Yes, and Biden himself wrote an opinion article for one of the papers here um, a few days ago. And for example, he talked about the idea that there couldn't be a reduction in the Palestinian territory in Gaza and that people can't be uh, driven out permanently from their homes. Well, I, I don't think there's really any evidence at all that Israel is paying any attention to those kind of uh, instructions. No, I mean, on the West Bank... They're doing the exact opposite now. Right. There are militant settlers who are effectively ethnically cleansing the West Bank of the Palestinians who are there and who mm. have been there forever. And if that isn't flaunting their policies in front of Biden mm. and to almost say to someone who's proposing, who's A, who's armed them, B, who has protected them, all throughout his political career, and see who is struggling at home because of it, they're saying, sorry, boss, no no go. Right, and I mean, I think there's also a general perception, at least among people who are even vaguely sympathetic to the Palestinians, that the real intention of the bombardment of Gaza and the um, invasion of Gaza is to render it largely uninhabitable, at least in certain parts yes. and at least in its northern stretches. And none of that seems to be really um, be something that Biden is prepared to do anything more other than sort of talk against. I mean, there is no real uh, sign that I can see of, for example, making that $14 billion request that I mentioned conditional upon Israel doing or not doing certain things. As you can imagine, that a lack of condition is very unpopular with the Democrats. I mentioned the, the blocks within the Democratic Party who are more yes. sympathetic to the Palestinians. And so that causes this alienation. And, you know, it's it's worth at risk of stating the obvious, Eamon, saying that because of the horrendous loss of life and horrendous destruction visited in Gaza, um, people here who are critical of Biden from the left on that topic it's not like disagreeing about some, you know, economic issue or some domestic policy issue. He has been accused, not least by Rishida Tlaib, uh, the only de Palestinian member of Congress, of being complicit in genocide in Gaza. Now, whether I mean whether one wants to have the debate about that word or not, that just goes to the visceral objection yes. I think felt uh, to his policy. Yes, and an estimated fourteen thousand. Gazans have died, but yes. we'll leave that there and go back to the age thing. There's a poll that you sent me, Niall, that almost half of all Democrats, 48%, said that Biden's age was a major problem, mm. that he didn't have the stamina and sharpness to serve effectively as president. That was the question to which almost half the Democrats polled, 48%, said he didn't. 80% hmm. of Americans aged 18 to 34 harbored the same doubt. That 80% figure is stark. It is. It is. It's hard to know what, what the way back is from there. Uh, Biden is the age he is, uh, and he tries to cast it as something that gives him wisdom and experience 
there isn't a lot of sign that the American public is buying that argument. I also think, Eamon, and we have made this point, but it's worth reiterating, this debate isn't really about the age on Joe Biden's birth certificate. No. It's about the perception of mental acuity and perhaps loss of, of mental acuity. Um, the, you know, Trump's only four years younger than him. Bernie Sanders, the uh, left-wing Democratic senator, uh, left-wing independent senator, I should say, from Vermont, is uh, slightly older than Biden. And whether one likes Bernie or not, no one really questions his mental acuity. The problem is that Biden can seem sort of slow and meandering and uh, he makes verbal slip-ups from time to time. All of that uh, relates to these poll numbers, which are shocking, as you say. The other point is, I mean, if people decide that you don't have the mental sharpness to do the job, well, that's game over then, it seems to me. I mean, there's no point in saying... Well, he might not have he might not be, you know, sharp enough to do the job, but I like his policies. If you don't believe he's capable of doing the job, then you're stuck. And that's I think where the fear and anxiety among Democrats comes from. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At Bluenile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Now, the economy, I've read this week somewhere that the economy is booming. And I think 14 million jobs may have been created or around that figure Mm -hmm. during his time in office, which is a very significant number, at least in our minds here. (laughs) And that even on the economy, where I think he has done some good things, that green 
agenda he's pushed mm. and actually legislated for, he's not even winning on that. 59% of registered voters polled by NBC disapproved of his performance on the economy, while only 38% approve. Now, that's a bad number too, isn't it? When, well, you tell us, it, it appears from where we're looking that he has done well on the economy. Yeah, I mean, I would say that the American economy is clearly rebounding and has rebounded well with the sort of job creation number in particular, and unemployment here is very low. What Biden has been snookered by is the legacy of extremely high inflation last year. Uh, It reached over 9% in June 2022, which was the highest rate since, I'm going from memory here, either 1981 or 1982, I think, early 1980s, anyway, highest inflation in a generation. One of the problems with inflation is it hurts Everybody. I mean, you know, it doesn't matter what your income level is, what your age level is or anything else. Rising prices hurt and wages typically don't keep pace and certainly pensions don't keep keep pace. And so it's a bit of a disaster. That, I think, has fed the perception that the economy isn't good or that Biden's economic record has been poor. Um, I did mention in the piece that uh, I sent you that the inflation rate here is now down to just over uh, 3%. And it would seem that the uh, much-talked-about soft landing of the economy might have been executed. In other words, for the central bank here called the Federal Reserve, puts interest rates up sufficient to tame inflation, but not so high as to tank the economy. They might have succeeded in that, but uh, it certainly hasn't percolated through as yet. There's certainly a lot of public dissatisfaction with the economy. Biden does still have a bit of time in that respect, but if the perceptions, say, in June of next year are still where they are now, that gets pretty dicey for him. Now, the question of a third party candidate or a third candidate mm-hmm. is being mentioned more often now. Robert Kennedy Jr., the son of the late Robert Kennedy, is, shall we say, eccentric. Mm. He's polling the best of the alternative candidates, but there are other alternatives. Joe Manchin, who you've just mentioned, is one of them. He is, in fact, a Democratic sen- senator who causes a lot of trouble, has caused a lot of trouble for Joe Biden. There's an activist called Cornell West, who's an academic who may run, and there's a Green Party nominee as well, Jill Stein. How dangerous could they be in a very tight election? So I'll take the two simplest uh, ones to answer for. Cornell West and Jill Stein will both be running from Biden's left, assuming Jill Stein gets the Green Party nomination, and there's no reason why she wouldn't. She was the nominee in 2012 and 2016 and is probably their single best-known activist. Cornel West is running as an independent, so he doesn't need to win any nomination. West might have difficulty getting on the ballot. That can be difficult for independent candidates here. But the point is that both Jill Stein and Cornel West would potentially... Uh, take away from the Democratic Party and thus take away from Joe Biden voters who, by American standards, are hard left or far left. Now, 
Robert F. Kennedy Jr. is a much more complicated figure. He is, as you say, eccentric. He has at least nodded toward vaccine conspiracy theories, is very skeptical of vaccines, generally speaking. His sort of somewhat conspiratorial worldview seems to have an appeal to uh, Trump voters outside the hardcore of backing for the former president. Yes. And so there's been polling that suggests that RFK Jr. could actually pull more votes away from Trump than away from Biden if it's a, if it's a, to, uh, if those are the, the nominees of the two major parties. Briefly, Eamon, Joe Manchin is a, a tricky one to figure out if he actually does go forward with a presidential bid, um, basically because you mentioned him being a sort of irritation to Biden and to Democrats. Joe Biden, uh, sorry, Joe Manchin is a, a conservative Democrat, of which there are very few left. But the, the point is, I don't see many Democratic voters voting for Manchin. Right. And I'm also not sure why Republicans would vote for a man who's been a Democrat all his life. But he would get a lot of publicity if he ran, and that may be, frankly, part of the goal for him. Now, the big question for the broad electorate and taking into account, for example, abortion, Mm. the chaos of January 6th, the threat and the noise that Trump makes when he's in office, the dangers that seem fairly ob- obvious to us that he will interfere in, for example, legal issues. Is it the case? I mean, because when the big poll asks who would you vote for, they seem to be neck and neck, that Trump may find himself, as you put it to me in a, in a note you sent me, unelectable for reasons that are to do with, you know, the fact that he's, to any rational person watching from here, he's a dangerous character. Well, that is the view of about half the American population, and it's not the view of about the other half. And that's why you do have these neck and neck uh, polls. There was a lot of concern, and I can't remember if we spoke about it in a previous week. We may have done. There were polls done fairly recently in six battleground states. Oh, yes, states. we did talk about it, yeah. Yeah, and Trump was leading Biden in five of them, which has caused enormous uh, anxiety and uh, wailing and gnashing of teeth in democratic circles, as you might expect. Yes. The thing is that the concerns about Biden seem so grave and so deep that it has eroded the argument that Trump is unelectable. Right. Now, there is a, a counter-argument, which is that uh, because Trump is such a divisive figure, there is a little bit of a pattern where he seems to go up in the polls slightly when he's less central to the news. And when people are seeing him every day, uh, he sometimes ticks down a little bit. Now, we're talking about modest variations one way or another. The Democratic hope, I think, is if Trump becomes the nominee, Americans will then be confronted with him on their screen every day. There will be the question of, do you really want another four years of that? Yeah. And I don't even mean in policy terms necessarily, but just the sort of uh, belligerence that he tends to bring, the constant chaos that he tends to bring, and all of the other fights. You know, do will people ultimately turn away from that when they go in to the, their uh, voting place? 
they might do, but it's not guaranteed. No, and his attitude to NATO, for example, I mean, one of Biden's great achievements, in my view, and I'm more interested in yours, but he organized NATO. He gave NATO the support to stand up to Putin, to back Ukraine. He solidified NATO in a way and galvanized it in a way that was required. Trump hates NATO and made that very clear and would basically yank America out of it, I think, if, if he had his way. But that wouldn't resonate at all in the States, would it? Well, I don't, you know, I don't think that the NATO issue would, it certainly wouldn't determine many people's votes. I mean, no. if, if enthusiasm for not just NATO, but sort of multilateralism was a deciding factor in your vote, you'd probably be voting Democratic anyway, right. in a sense. Now, just to be clear, I mean, there are Republicans, Mitch McConnell for one, who are uh, enthusiastic about the United States backing Ukraine, for example, and yes. believe that the US should stay engaged. Nikki Haley, who we were just talking about, is a strong proponent of the idea that you have to back up the Ukrainians because if Putin prevailed there, yes. then what what would come next? You know, then he could attack an actual member of NATO, so on and so forth. But that is not Donald Trump's view. It's not exactly articulated what Donald Trump's view is, other than that he claims he could uh, secure a settlement or a, a negotiated end to that war in the day, according to him, yes. um, and relatedly, that he does not like multilateral institutions generally or NATO specifically. When we had a private conversation this week, now about private, in that we were talking about work, <laughs> yeah, and we were talking about what was happening and what we talk about this week, I asked you a question, and I, it's right, the answer frightened the life out of me. The question was, would Nikki Haley, were she to continue her upward curve, and in New Hampshire, for example, which is the second primary, she's likely to do really well, I would have thought, and Chris Christie, actually, but nevertheless, would Nikki Haley... How would she do if she was the Republican candidate up against Joe Biden? Oh, she'd, she'd crush him, in my opinion. That's what you said to me the other night. That's a kind of interesting... It puts everything all this about Trump in perspective, doesn't it? Well, it does, because, you know, when we were discussing that, I was making the point that the thing about Nikki Haley is she is acceptable to a much broader group of people than Trump is. Let's take a hypothetical where it's Biden-Trump, and let's say, not certain at all, but let's say Biden prevails. If that happens, it will almost overwhelmingly be because people balk at electing yes. Trump. It, it would not be because there is any particularly widespread enthusiasm for Biden. So then you, you take that sort of hypothetical and you, you throw Nikki Haley into the mix. Biden versus Nikki Haley, yes, she might not get some of the ultra, ultra Trump MAGA people, but she's also not going to draw people to vote against her the no. way that Trump draws people out in that way. Nikki Haley is, uh, you know, certainly a conservative, um, but, you know, a uh, uh, a woman very, I would say, in touch with the sort of sensibilities of affluent suburban voters who are one of the key swing groups in any American presidential election. She's a fairly traditional Republican for the most part. And uh, I mean, to be wrong to describe her as a moderate, she's, she's vigorously conservative in some ways. 
but she isn't uh, unacceptable to anywhere near the number of people to whom Trump is unacceptable. Isn't the Chinese saying now, may you live in interesting times? <laughs> <That's right. laughs> we're, we're, we're seeing that, and we're, it's not great, lads, <laughs> out in China. Niall, thank you very much indeed. As always, your reporting is brilliant and inspiring indeed. And I'd urge any of our listeners who can access the Hill to access it. It's a very, very good newspaper and a very respected newspaper. And they have a television element, I think, as well. Um, you do, don't you? I do. Yeah, well, News Nation is a news channel that is owned by the same corporate owners as Owen Hill. Yeah, and you yeah. are its star, I'm told. <laughs> Sources tell me. I'll get, I'll get into trouble with all these claims, but anyway, you're very kind. Okay, we're grateful to Niall Stanich, of course, as always, to all of you for listening. That's all we have time for now. We'll talk to you soon. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.